Welcome, true believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who knows he is not a clone, my 1.0 friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I'm feeling even better, and I'm excited to conclude this uh, clone saga um, today. Um, sure, that's good. Glad, <laughs> glad you are. <laughs> well, then we should get through the clone saga by getting through the three books. And yes. The first one is from October of 1975, The Amazing Spider-Man 149, Even If I Live, I Die, by Conway, Andrew, and Esposito. What a dramatic title. Well, as a Spidey drifts from consciousness, we see the maskless Professor Warren, or better known as the Jackal, Cackle! <laughs> Spidey awakes restrained to a table. In a rage, he quickly breaks his bonds, but a surprisingly agile Professor Warren fights him back into submission. With Spidey unable to stand, the professor tells the story of his paternal affection for Gwen, her clone creation upon her death, and subsequent framing of his assistant, Serba. After his monologue, he runs off, leaving the weakened Spider-Man. So, all true, very accurate, except the line that says, you know, paternal affection. Just when you when you read this line, uh, it comes on a page where, like, the... You know, they're showing with shadows, but basically the clone body is coming out. And you start to wonder with yourself, you're like, um, you know, there's this naked girl basically walking out. And there's this old man there. And the line that, that triggers you is it says, the recreation of a woman, I, that is a girl, I, I felt, I, you know what I mean? Ugh. He starts talking. And you realize that, Ugh. like, uh, he's he's into her, dude. Ooh. Professor Warren. It's it's not okay. I mean, it's so, it's actually written quite well because that's like, what, like eight or nine panels into the whole clone creation. And he describes Gwen, you know, as he feels fatherly towards her. But then it does become more and more disturbing. And then at the end when he's hypnotizing her, I mean, that is, that is just super disturbing too. So, yeah, but, but. But you said paternal and, you know, you put it in quotes because you understood as well. It is right. sort of a uh, sort of like, you know, he might be into her, but he knows he's really not as well. Ooh. There's sort of a it's sort of 50 50 there, to be fair. Ooh. But uh, go ahead. And uh, 149 is the is the best of these three books. So let's yeah. uh, let's get to the end so we can talk a lot about what happens at the end here, because this book is great. Peter goes to the bugle where he immediately realizes he needs to save Ned. He goes to Shea Stadium at midnight and is abruptly attacked and knocked unconscious by the jackal. When he awakes, Ned is attached to a time explosive and there is another Spider-Man whom he begins to fight. Cloned Gwen awakes from her trance watching the fight and makes Professor Warren realize his folly. The professor releases Ned but is killed by the attached bomb. Uh, I, I know in the notes here it says that you want to talk about Professor Warren. I, I want to talk do. about Gwen. I want to talk about... I, there's so many things I want to talk about here. There's like a thousand things. But I want to be clear. The other books we're going to talk about are a little light. Yeah. So I want to spend, you know, as much time as we need on 149. And if we have to go back to it, we have to go back to it. So I guess wherever you, you can start anywhere you want. But I'm going to be on this these last few pages for a long time. Okay, I I just want to start with Professor Warren or the Jackal in general. I I think he is one of the greatest adversaries, if not the greatest adversary of Spider-Man of all time. What do you think? No? Yes? Um, You know, based on a, like, per 
per issue like run if you want to say like hey this guy was important for 10 books and here's what he did in his 10 books i I think it's a good argument sure sure yeah i I mean he he has a short lifespan though which makes it a little tricky true he doesn't he doesn't appear prominently too terribly often which is why i think he's such a great villain too because he he really occupies like the space as kind of a puppet master and the fact that it turns out to be professor warren is really wild for a bunch of different reasons because you know professor warren is obviously a very smart guy and one of the things that the jackal does so well uh, he manipulates you can correct me if i'm wrong here he manipulates doc ock hammerhead the scorpion um that big bear guy i can't remember his name and the tarantula um all those guys he manages to convince to fight spider-man you know like uh, as like a proxy battle for himself i just i'm so impressed by that and then in this book when spider-man actually goes you know fisticuffs with professor warren professor warren subdues (laughs) (laughs) spider-man yeah he if you're trying to collect professor warren books good luck okay because the first professor warren book is the first Gwen Stacy and the first Harry Osborne book, number 31. (laughs) So forget that one. And then when he comes up as the Jackal, it's in the first appearance of the Punisher all time. So you have to basically say, I'm going to collect the Jackal book. I'm like, well, you're paying for the first Punisher book ever, which is 129. So forget collecting Jackal books. But he shows up in 129, you know, for a little bit, goes away so Harry can jump up as the Goblin. Yeah. And then I would say he basically is the Green Goblin. He's running around in the background, just like the Goblin used to do in the very beginning of time when he was, uh, you know, I, negotiating with the big man in Foswell. And he he does he has the whole psychosis of the he doesn't really know what he's doing. Like, true. you know, he, his failure is that he suddenly realizes that he killed someone. Uh, I didn't know I killed someone. I'm psychotic or something, you know, because my brain turned this off. And now that I've wronged things, I'm going to try to do something heroic at the end and. There'll be no more killing. All this now. There's no more killing. <laughs> so much killing. <laughs> I mean, as a uh, good good thing, Gwen was here. Let's talk about Gwen. That's what I okay. That's what let's I wanna, let's I hear about Gwen. Okay, so at the we're on like the third to last page, roughly. Okay, um, everybody's basically dead now, except for, she runs over to Spider Man. You know, and she says, "Spider Man, are you? Is he? Are you both all right?" And she's going to try to figure out. You know, she wants to talk about Spider-Man. Are you the real Spider-Man? Yeah. Now, Gwen, does Eddie, Gwen knows she's a clone, right? Correct. So she says, are you sure that you're, you're, and he says, oh, I'm the real one, Gwen, believe me. And she goes like, how can you tell? And he's like, why is she worried about if he's the real Peter? Because she's a clone. Shouldn't she care about, should she really even care about that? Hmm. You know... Probably not. In fact, it would probably benefit her a lot if the cloned Peter survived because then they could, they would be able to communicate much better, you know, have a better understanding between the two of them. It's a weird one. And yeah. And then, of course, the next, next page, it's Peter with Gwen and she's having that same conversation that, you know, um, hey, you know, uh, I wonder how Spider-Man felt last night when he didn't know he was the real one or not. And then I I don't want our listeners that know more than we do, which is, you know, most of them to tell us this. But Eddie, she gets in a cab and drives away. 
Yeah, that's it. She's gone. Eddie, I don't, I don't know. Like, I didn't know Gwen Stacy was even a clone. That's how blindsided I was. That was, I knew. That's the thing that surprised me the most in reading this. I didn't know the like the there was a Gwen Stacy clone and where is she now again people are skimming at their podcasts right now right of course we know where she is (laughs) but to me i'm like wow what so maybe one day if we get that far we'll we'll find out what happened to her bound to come back that's for sure too much of a prominent character but i i think that's the only problem with this whole series is that the actual cloning of gwen and spider-man or peter parker and then professor warren hypnotizing them to pretend basically fool everyone that they're their real self even you know afterwards well eddie i only have one thing to say about the next book and i still have two more things to say about this book can i get another one in sure go for it <laughs> he he makes a bomb right <laughs> yes and and he says only the real spider-man can defuse this bomb <laughs> so i'm gonna have the two spider-man fight each other because they both think they're the real Spider-Man and they'll both fight to the death thinking, right? Am I yeah, getting the story right? Correct. I think so. He literally says, have fun fellas. And they're both like, I know I'm the real Spider-Man and they fight each other. And yeah, I guess we're lucky that the one who's two years longer, this is by the way, this is how he knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man, right? Yes. He, he's like, Oh my, the Peter Parker clone is Spider-Man. That means Peter Parker is Spider-Man. But, uh, yeah, yeah, a little convenient and a little disappointing that the clone Spider-Man only exists, you know, for, Uh, what, two two pages, maybe? So disappointing. I know. Well, again, you and I, in our world, this is the end of the clone, but, you know, yeah, there'll be some... That's not a spoiler to you, right? Imagine cloning someone and that one person you, one of two people you clone turns out to be (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man. What a surprise. Also, it didn't, does it say in the book like Serba cloned two people in my class or did he say he cloned the whole class? Yeah, he he says he brings them two samples and clones uh, two people. Okay, maybe just uh, let's clone the smart people. I have one thing to say, one more thing to say about 149, but I can wait for it till after. Let's let's All get right. to 150. Um, 150 is from November of 1975. The Amazing Spider-Man 150, Spider-Man or Spider Clone, written by Archie Goodwin, art by Gil Kane, ink by Mike Esposito and Frank Iacoya. Spider-Man isn't sure if he's a clone. He goes to Kurt Connors for help. While Connors is running tests on Spidey, he is interrupted by the Vulture. Spidey battles and defeats the Vulture only to have him turn to dust. While questioning his sanity, he is attacked again, this time by the Sandman. They battle, and Spidey wins, but the Sandman's body mysteriously also disappears. As Spider-Man stands mystified, he's attacked by the Kingpin. Spidey defeats him, and his body vaporizes. Is this a nightmare? There's no time for Spidey to wonder as he's attacked by the Spider Slayer. It looks like he's met his match, but with visions of MJ, he frees himself and subdues Professor Smythe. All right, Eddie, I'm going to put you on the spot here. All right. At the end of 149, the last page, he runs upstairs. He sees someone's in his apartment. Yes. I'm not sure how, how they got in, but whatever. He opens the door. And he's like, Mary Jane, lady, am I ever glad to see you? And she's like, 
do you mean it for real? And he's like, come here and I'll show you. And they close the door to let us know that like, not only does this book have the inappropriateness of Professor Warren, but now we're going to end this with another implied like adult situation, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. That's a little leading, but to go continue. What? You, what are you talking <laughs> They're about? They're just going to sit down and talk. <laughs> um, oh, okay. All right. I know you're joking there. So sure. Okay. All right. So that being said, I need some help, Eddie. I do not understand, having read it twice, okay. how thinking about MJ let him know that he's not the clone and allowed him to escape. I, I'll let the, I'll let him escape. I'll say he, bur- but I, I couldn't understand this, Eddie. Please help me. I, I well, okay. I think because the clone would have no memories from the previous two years, right? So he would have no recollection that he was in love with MJ. So when he's thinking of MJ, he's thinking of a person who he's in love with, and he realizes at that moment that the clone would have no, like the clone would be thinking of Gwen because that's the clone's last memories that he would have had. Okay, that's you know, if he. That's a died, great answer, right? That's a great answer. It doesn't say that in this book, though. <laughs> it would have been a great part of the book. <laughs> the book says Professor Warren's clone might remember the same thing, but my thinking of it now is a pure emotional response. It says Warren was motivated by insane jealousy from when Gwen and I were in love, exposed to Warren a little. The clone will have picked up on it and have his emotional reactions torn between Gwen and Mary Jane. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? Why don't you just say the, the the clone wouldn't have had these strong feelings to Mary Jane, right? That's all you had to say. Yeah. I, I thought that too. It would have worked perfectly. It's written so poorly. Very poorly. Wait, it, this is this is because Archie Goodwin's back writing this book. <laughs> Who is that guy? <laughs> yeah, well, Archie and Chip Goodwin. We'll we'll talk about them later. And then, and then to conclude the book too, he has the answers uh, whether he is a clone in a paper that Doc Connors meticulously, you know, investigated for him, and he just throws him off the building so that we don't totally know. <laughs> Correct. We don't scientifically know whether this is the clone or not the clone. So, especially with that really shaky explanation, right? As well in there, like what do you? Because that was almost like. He almost argued the wrong way. Like, well, technically, you know, uh, you know, could have been the, the, terrible. The most bothersome thing for me in this book is uh, how do you make a robot of the Sandman? <laughs> if Professor Smythe can make a robot of the Sandman, then this guy's a genius. Like, what? What is he doing? Stop attacking Spider-Man and go be a billionaire somewhere. We've got a list of complaints, right? Yes. The gas destroys Spider-Man. Aunt May's always in the hospital. Uh, They always let people out on good behavior. And, of course, if you're so brilliant that you can fund an entire movie and production, use the money for something else as opposed to, you know, uh, what's what's Smythe after? (laughs) You know, like, you're this wealthy, right? He's yeah. brilliant. Well, he probably, oh, wow. I guess he already is a billionaire. Well, um, I'm ready to move on, James B. Um, from December of 1975, The Amazing Spider-Man number 151, Skirmished Beneath the Streets by Len Wein, uh, Ross Andrew, and John Romita. Those are all different people than the last issue. It's true. 
<laughs> they're different people from the issue before that too. So we've we've been we're suddenly changing all our writers and most most of our artists. But Eddie, Spidey tosses the Spider-Man clone into an incinerator, and uh, I don't know about you, but I was envisioning how they're going to retcon this that will lead to the famous Ben Riley. Uh, clone many years from now. I'm not sure how familiar you are with that. <laughs> you would have to help me a little bit. I vaguely know about this, James. Yeah, I'm just letting you know that they're going to decide at one point. This is just too big, you know, news. They're going to decide at one point that you know what? Maybe the clone lived. It, it magically fell through the incinerator and woke up. <laughs> we, uh, you and I, can decide. Like this is the panel we're living with right now. There is also Eddie a what if book Ooh. called What If Spider Man's Clone Had Lived, which comes out, you know, it's going to come out in, let's say, a few years from, from the, where we are, like in the 19, let's say 1980. Uh, and then, you know, I'm sure people are going to be yelling at me, Ben Riley's not going to come out for another like 25 well, years. That's exactly what I was envisioning. Imagine Peter having an alternate self. If only he could have, you know, talked to this person. First of all, fun. Eddie, hold on, hold on. Problems. We don't need... We don't need so to imagine funny. it. We got a book on it. All right, all right. We'll we'll do it. It's okay, on the sounds good. It's on the list. We'll get there. I just thought we should at least finish the clone saga before we hit. All that. right. Tell me about who else is in this book, James B. Harry's back at school. Harry Osborne, which is awkward, um, and he's invited to the same party as every other character. It's gonna be a party for Ned and Betty, which is being thrown by J. Jonah Jameson, but it's implied that it was Joe Robbie's idea. But Eddie. Flash Thompson is at the party, and he finds something that I want to talk about for 30 seconds. <laughs> Great. I Yes, I would like to hear this, too. And he, he finds some records, and they're Guy Lombardo records, and overruns J. Jonah Jameson, kind of basically says, like, don't touch my records. Um, I'm putting the radio on for you, et cetera. But I mention this because... Eddie, everybody has like that person that they've met or that the famous person they know, oh, yeah? blah, blah, blah. And and this obscure Guy Lombardo character is the only relative related to me of any notoriety or fame. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Yes. The, clo- the closest relation I have is that like my great grandfather was cousins with, with like Guy <laughs> Lombardo's father, which makes my grandmother... Second cousins with Guy Lombardo, who is a, and you might know because you're in the music business. Ah, but Guy Lombardo, I did not know that. No. So yes, I'm related to Guy Lombardo, and I'm glad to see he made a Spider-Man comic. But you know, do you want to talk about Harry for a second here? He's he's I, back. It, Harry is back. It's super awkward, and he is an exact reproduction of his father. The same exact psychosis. The same exact forgetting that he was Green Goblin. I don't know if I like it, actually. I'm not sure. I, I told you I felt the Jackal was Goblin-like, and, yes. and then when the Jackal dies, immediately they're like, well, let's bring <laughs> let's bring Harry back, you know? Um, yeah, and Peter just sort of, sort of rolls with it. But in this party, Eddie, there's some goofy moments where in walks MJ, and she makes a comment, oh, Mr. Jameson, you're, you're acting like James Cagney. Are you going to be replacing Robert Redford anytime <laughs> so soon? So many dated references. They're all great. Yeah, and then um, <laughs> Harry offers her a sip of his Dr. Pepper, which let me know apparently that Dr. Pepper was around in uh, 1975. I, I didn't know that. Uh, Ned leads us there and he at least asks, I'm not really sure why I was kidnapped by the Jackal or how I escaped. Does anybody want to explain what happened in that issue? And Peter's like, sure, let me summarize what happened. Uh, 
you know, I guess uh, you know, Professor Warren felt responsible for the jackal for some reason we don't know, but now he's dead and the jackal disappeared. And let's just talk about happier things. And meanwhile, J. Jonah Jameson's over there and he's, you know, making a fuss over different things. And the, and the best one, Eddie, is the whole uh, caviar tuna salad <laughs> sequence. Yes. Yes. Where he's... Uh, He's thinking in his head, he's like, Guttons, they've gone through three platters of caviar, but they haven't touched the blasted tuna salad. And he's like, uh, Miss Boswell, caviar is bad for the teeth. Try some delicious tuna salad. And she's like, <laughs> she's you know, a kid. She's like, but I don't like fish, Mr. Jameson. Tuna. Come on, Miss Boswell, try the tuna or you're fired. <laughs> so, and then and there's... <laughs> And then Peter's getting served Dr. Pepper again because nobody's, yeah. nobody's you know, serving any hard alcohol because he's being cheap. It's more, you know, it's more pertinent to playing within the characters that are in Spider-Man. So I enjoyed it. Well, these writers, uh, you know, Len, Len Wein, who's filling in for whatever reason on this issue, uh, they have Spider-Man take about four pages to try to figure out a way to go find the villain. He's trying to change his clothes while hanging on a helicopter that's flying over the city. Uh, he finds the villain. It's the Shocker. Uh, the Shocker is actually spelling out his name across the city uh, like the way that you design, like on the side of a building, you make the light spell words. He's spelling out the word Shocker just in case you don't know why. Uh, he's definitely a C-level villain. I don't know why he's able to do this. But, of course, he then gets a four-page fight with Spider-Man. And um, he does get the upper hand on Spider-Man because he's able to knock some debris onto him. And it knocks Spider-Man out. And he wakes up. And, um, yeah, and he's in a room with water rising up to his uh, up to his neck. Ooh. So, looks bad at the that. end. That definitely looks bad for Spider-Man. You like the shocker? Yeah. <laughs> The Shocker has my second favorite outfit of all villains. I always have enjoyed his, I, I think we could describe this as a quilted <laughs> yellow jumpsuit that has, of course, yeah. you know, his shocking hands <laughs> at the end of it. Uh, you know my you know my first favorite villain outfit, I'm thinking right? it's, it's Craven, right? <laughs> it's the leopard pants of Craven. Leopard pants, Complete with the lion on his chest, which shoots laser beams out of his nipples. <laughs> right. Eddie, I noticed that Spider-Man didn't... Um, uh, he ran out of web fluid. Uh, and um, it's a good thing because he didn't even get an attempt to try to use his web fluid to web up the thumbs of the shocker which is as we know traditionally exactly how he defeated him the last yeah. two times <laughs> stop his stop his thumbs from touching well he shot it into his face but then he managed to vibro shock it off his face somehow so uh, not a not nearly as good a fight as with the jackal well speaking of shocking eddie i've got a shocking sponsor for us today Ooh, all right let's hear it james b Eddie, when it comes to cloning, Clones R Us has been inspired by Anthony Serba and has been operating for nearly 50 years. There are many reasons for choosing to have cloning done. <laughs> yes. If yes. someone shoots your favorite pigeon and you want him back. If you want another you to play with your children while one of you takes a nap. Or if you want to just make extras of your children so they could have children to play with. Or if you need to be in Canada having dinner with a stranger. <laughs> Well, also in the United States having dinner with their significant other at the same time. In fact, if somebody else wants to make an Eddie clone, you could subscribe and we'll make you an Eddie clone. 
Eddie, you can get a clone of yourself or someone can get a clone of you. I, it's so many options. <laughs> Are you ready to get into some cloning at Clones R Us? James B, you sound like you're my sponsor for like whoever is a bit, whoever needs an Eddie to show up and help just, out, I guess. Just I, think sometimes you're tired or you're sick when you're on the podcast. You don't have a good voice. You're thinking, oh, I have to do this. I wish I could just take a nap. It's true. And this would provide you a chance to be in two places at once, which is what it's all, right, all about. Well, so are you ready to get a clone of yourself? At least that's a good place to start. <laughs> I will not be cloning myself under any circumstance. <laughs> well, you can make a clone of your favorite uh, soccer podcaster or Francis Delone, uh, your favorite Canadian <laughs> lunch buddy. I will not be cloning anyone. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, thank you. We don't need any clones. <laughs> You're passing up an opportunity for your kids to have someone to play with while you're podcasting. Just think about that. Well, Eddie, if you decide uh, you want to clone, uh, you know, would you clone Pepper? My dog? I I wouldn't clone anything, James B. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, worked out for... <laughs> Professor Warren. Yeah. Well, what, <laughs> kind what, of. What would you do about Gwen Stacy, then? Whoa, man. I don't know what I'd do with Gwen Stacy. I, I, think, I think I would do exactly what happens in Spider-Man. Just let her go and live her life. So her, mm. I, I would move to, I would, if I was Gwen, I'd move to England and live with her. I thought uncle, that too. You know? Yeah. I thought that's what she should she go She already to. tried to restart there and she has yep. connections, so. Yep. And maybe they'll take her in because, you know, you know so yeah, weird. So weird, weird stuff. Okay. Let's, um, let's wrap this up here. Uh, Eddie, if people wanted to talk to us about. How they felt about the Jackal or Harry's return or this lame shocker villain. How could they reach us? <laughs> you can email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or you could find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. All right. It's time for the close. And I'm James B. Joined by Eddie. And remember, listeners, if you go to a party with J. Jonah Jameson as the host... Don't eat any of the caviar. Eat the tuna salad. Goodbye. Goodbye. So, Eddie, we did three books that took place in a row. Yes. Part of a ongoing saga and it looks like the only thing they had in common the writers are different on all three uh the artist on the first one was like andrew and esposito the second one was kane esposito and iacoya and then the artist on the third one was andrew and romita so they sort of had some artists drawing i didn't notice the art changing very much did you no i didn't notice the art changing at all just just the it, writing um changing through the three books i i mean my my favorite one was uh you the, know the middle one not uh, not <laughs> the middle one wow was that a terrible one 150 what are you doing just kidding just kidding professor Smythe comes out of nowhere <laughs> well i mean what 151 was the beginning I, you know all that goofiness at the party was kind of fun but really one 149 is is 
you know, stuff happens. Yeah, it's a everything. Ra- it's a wrap up. It's hard to everything happens. It's hard to not like one forty nine. But honestly, like from a purely kind of writing perspective, I like uh, one fifty one the best out yeah. of the three of them. Sure, sure. They, they well, you know, they do a great job reintroducing Harry. They have MJ and Peter together a lot and interacting properly. And then the comedy is returned to Spider-Man in an appropriate way with J Jonah being J Jonah. Boy, did they miss out on not being able to hit 150 for the good book and landing it on 149. Uh, Come on guys. Yeah. What are you doing? They, they could have, I mean, they had already drawn out the Gwen Stacy and Jackal saga for such a long time. It would have been so easy. All they had to do is put the giant size in for, you know, make that one of the regular books. It could have bumped everything. Right. The giant size could have been a one-off with some other goofy storyline with some dopey villain or something. Uh, it would be great to have Amazing Spider-Man 150 have been this great book, but 150 is terrible. It, it's, it's, just one of the worst ones you know what we've read 100 was terrible too because it was an it was yeah, almost it the was same bad. problem right it was another like yeah, i'm delirious i'm del- yeah. buy my book i'm delirious and maybe of one exciting you, thing in it maybe did you think he was dreaming i thought he was dreaming the whole time again i just was like uh, i i didn't know what's happening because how could you make a robot sandman just ridiculous to think that impossible what is this nonsense